You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Paint.tv slash gold. Let's take a look at a few of these other uh, serial killers, folks. Serial killers. I I, I mean, I don't know why people like uh, Dick Cheney, George W. Bush... You know, a lot of these other politicians should be right on this list as well, folks. But look at this one, Charles Manson, right? And and as I said, don't worry, we're going to show you connections between a lot of these serial killers and the uh, CIA soon. But uh, look at Charles Manson. If you're watching the video version, it's got a beautiful picture of him. This isn't the long-haired Charles Manson. This is the one uh, where he's older and he's kind of got a mohawk and a long beard but at least unlike Sidney Gottlieb Charles Manson was willing to identify himself he put the swastika on his forehead where uh Sidney Gottlieb he probably just wore a yarmulke so uh he was able to disguise it but he was trained by the Nazis the ones that Manson is obviously praising with the swastika on his forehead we also have richard ramirez this one is good with his drawn-in cheekbones and smoldering stare serial killer richard ramirez gained a reputation as one of the best looking serial killers of the 20th century and with 13 murder convictions he was also one of the most brutal Despite his horrific killings and rapes, he had female admirers in prison and even married one of his fans. Ooh, it's so hard to reconcile these different parts of Richard Ramirez's life. You have John Wayne Gacy. You guys remember him? Fantastic gentleman. He was involved in local politics, hosted summer parties, even shook hands with First Lady Rosalind Carter. Very hard to reconcile the different parts of John Wayne Gacy's life. You had a gentleman named H.H. Holmes, folks. This guy was a scam artist and a grifter. Oh, sounds like uh, everyone we elect to office, everyone who identifies as an influencer. Are they not scam artists and grifters? And uh, he often used the name H.H. Holmes. His great crime was killing the owner of a Chicago pharmacy in 1893, installing himself as the owner, and converting it into a hotel. The hotel was actually a maze where Mudgett, this is his real name, Herman Mudgett, tracked and killed numerous victims, possibly as many as 200. That was all the way back in 1896. Then Sidney Gottlieb, they set up a fake uh, whorehouse and drug people and do weird experiments on them. So what's the difference between this guy, Herman Mudgett, who killed the owner of a Chicago pharmacy and then basically installed himself in and posed as a pharmacist versus Sidney Gottlieb, who was the CIA's pharmacist, their chemist, right? What's the difference, folks? We got this fine gentleman here, Glenn Rogers. He's known as the Casanova Killer. It's not a shock to hear him described as handsome, charming, and charismatic. Rogers was found guilty of murdering women he'd met and picked up at bars in California and Florida and is the chief suspect in several other 
cases. Rogers claimed he'd committed a number of other killings, including that of O.J. Simpson's ex-wife, but later recanted those claims. But he was such a charismatic gentleman, folks. It is hard to reconcile the different parts of that gentleman's life, is it not? Here you go. Here's Paul John Knowles, another Casanova killer. This guy looks like he could have been a rock star with uh, David Bowie or Mick Jagger or something. He was known for seducing women with his rugged good looks, charm, and sharp clothes, often using the alias Daryl Golden. After seducing the Darren Golden Standard, ladies and gentlemen, after seducing his victims, he would rape and kill them. He murdered at least 18 people during a swath of destruction in 1974, some during sexual assault, others at random, before being shot dead by the police. But it was very hard to reconcile uh, these parts of his life. He dressed so sharp. How could he also then, his day job, was a serial killer. And so he murdered people, tortured them, raped them, but he dressed so sharp and he looked so cool while he was smoking a cigarette, ladies and gentlemen. And so, as you see, the point I am making here, the point I am making here is that it is not very difficult to reconcile the fact that Sidney Gottlieb supposedly reportedly lived part of his personal life as some sort of proto-hippie, but then came to work and tortured and killed people. Nothing to reconcile, folks. He was a psychopath. It's pretty easy to uh, point that one out. I don't think it takes a trained psychiatrist to understand that this man was put in that position by CIA Director Alan Dulles through Richard Helms, who later became the CIA Director because this man was a monster. Some would call him a proto-hippie patriot. I would call him a Nazi monster, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that's who he was trained by, and those are the activities that he carried out for the state. All right, let's continue with this interview here with Stephen Kinzer. I think I went on a long enough rant about serial killers. And patriotism is among the most seductive of those causes because it posits the nation as a value that's so transcendent that anything done in its service is virtuous. So caught up in that mentality of the age, and maybe by his own personal uh, desire to be of service to the United States because as a result of his handicap, he had been refused the chance to serve in World War II, Gottlieb felt that he could put aside uh, the normal pull of conscience and morality. I don't think he ever faced the question or answered the question of whether there are limits to the amount of evil you can do in a righteous cause before the evil begins to outweigh the righteousness. Right. To the ends, justify the means. To the ends, justify the means. And so that last minute there, that last minute rant by Stephen Kinzer was his opinion. And so his opinion is that he believes that maybe Gottlieb cast aside his morals and his values as some sort of proto-hippie eating yogurt at work because he was a patriot and he wanted to defend against uh, this idea of individualism against the very people that were going to take individualism away. And so the answer to that was to bring the Nazi 
and Japanese torturers, the murderers, over to the United States and to be trained by them in your fight with the Soviet communists. That's the solution to that, folks. So if you want to fight the commies, you have these so-called fascist torturer murderers come over and train you. And then you live life in a cabin in the woods like Ted Kaczynski, um, but then you go to work every day murdering and torturing people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's continue. So Sidney Gottlieb worked in secrecy. That secrecy was partially shattered by the church committee, a committee that was a Senate committee from the 1970s that was chaired by Democratic Senator Frank Church. And it was tasked with investigating abuses committed by intelligence agencies. And Gottlieb was called to testify. So how much did the committee find out about what Gottlieb had really done? Gottlieb was living in India, working in a hospital for leprosy victims when he got a note from the CIA saying, somebody has figured out who you are. Right. And like I said, folks, for all we know, he was over there in India working in this hospital for so-called leprosy victims because he was running experiments on those people. We have no clue why he was over there doing that, folks. So you go from, um, remember, he was not just torturing and murdering prisoners of war that he deemed to be expendable over in these secret torture camps that he set up in cooperation with the CIA in Europe and East Asia. He was also funneling the LSD, which purpose was to blast people's minds away, okay, and then replace their minds to clear their memories, erase their memories, replace their memories, uh, to make people go crazy and insane. He was doing that right here in the United States, through universities, through hospitals, and through uh, prisons and other institutions. So he was doing this to people here, people that they considered to, um, or that they said were unwitting, they didn't even know what they were being involved with. So he was willing to do that, and then you're supposed to believe he's overhelping leprosy victims in India. I just don't buy it, folks. I don't buy it. All right, let's continue. And that somebody is the church committee that's investigating the CIA, and they want to talk to you. So the anonymity in which Gottlieb had lived his whole life was suddenly under threat. Gottlieb had to come back to the United States. He did testify at uh, two rounds of hearings, uh, one undercover, that is uh, under a pseudonym in a private room, another under his own name, but also in a private room. And the senators were uh, able to ask him some probing questions, but really they didn't know anything about MKUltra. If they had known anything like what's in this book, Gottlieb would have been questioned much more seriously. But the church committee was focused on a number of other abuses that the CIA had been accused of, like domestic spying, assassination plots, in which Gottlieb had played essentially only the role of a pharmacist. They didn't know what he had done abroad. <laughs> they didn't know what he had done in prisons inside the United States. His lawyer had arranged for him to be granted immunity from prosecution for his testimony. Nonetheless, he didn't reveal anything, and he claimed essentially to have forgotten everything 
that he had spent his whole CIA career uh, doing. So he, well, he may have, he may have forgotten uh, everything that he did because supposedly he admitted to the fact that he took over 200 doses of LSD folks. Remember, we heard that earlier. So maybe he blasted his own mind away. And so, come on, now you're supposed to believe that this guy um, comes back, he has to testify to Congress, which is all bogus anyway, you know that's all for show. And so uh, he claims he doesn't remember half the stuff he did. He claims that, uh, well, you'll see, he destroyed a lot of the evidence. And so what we're supposed to believe, folks, is that this guy is some benevolent serial killer like Dexter Morgan. Right, he only kills the bad guys, and he uh, has a justification for doing so because they're harming other people. So he is just like uh, George Soros. You know, he has justification for the evil crimes that he commits. So Dexter Morgan is out there just working as a blood splatter analyst or working in a sporting goods store in the relaunch of Dexter, uh, and then he just kills people that deserve it anyway. And so that's what you're supposed to believe that Sidney Gottlieb is at least based on the opinion of journalist Stephen Kinzer. One more minute on this when we get back from the break and then I'm going to show you what our government is up to these days. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. All right, so we're going to wind down this uh, podcast analysis with journalist Stephen Kinzer, and then I'm going to show you what our old government, what the state is up to, what I believe can be described as nothing other than the continuation of MKUltra. Uh, in various forms, folks, in various forms. But let's just finish this up quick so we can clear our desk of this podcast once and for all. And remember, we were in the middle of Cyborg Soldier 2050. And then you guys asked me to touch on Paperclip, which I did, which led me to MK Ultra. I figured, what the heck? Let's weave this stuff in here, and then it'll bring in uh, more context, more of a foundation as we talk further about cyborg soldier 2050 and the darpa brain initiative because all this stuff ties in it's all part of the same program all right here we go forgot who his boss was he forgot who his deputy was he couldn't remember what part of the cia he had worked in and the uh church committee investigators didn't press him hard enough they didn't know what to ask him so essentially although his anonymity was briefly shattered he was able to emerge from that experience uh without anybody reaching the heart of his mystery. Gottlieb tried to destroy evidence of programs that he headed. 
What did he do to try to destroy the evidence of MKUltra? Oh, yeah, folks. And don't worry. He destroyed the evidence um, that documented his torture and murder and mind control program uh, because he was a patriot. And remember, if you're fighting for patriotism, then you are allowed to do anything as long as you go back to your cabin in the woods on the old farm there, eat yogurt for lunch, and uh, help victims of leprosy in India, then everything is fine, folks. You can lie to Congress, you can destroy evidence, you can cover up your Nazi programs, as long as you are classified as a proto-hippie by journalist Stephen Kinzer. Let's continue. The end of Gottlieb's career came uh, in 1972 when his patron, Richard Helms, who was then director of the CIA, was removed by Nixon. Once Helms was gone, uh, it was just a matter of time until Gottlieb would be gone. And most important was that Helms was really the only person at the CIA who had an idea of what Gottlieb had been doing. So as they were both on their way out of the CIA, they agreed that they should destroy all records of MKUltra. Gottlieb actually drove out to the CIA Records Center and uh, ordered the archivist to destroy boxes full of MKUltra records. And he wrote in his report that these records were destroyed over my stated objections. So the records of MK Ultra were destroyed as uh, Gottlieb was uh, leaving office. However, it turns out that as there were some found in other places, there was a depot for expense account reports that had not been destroyed and various other pieces of paper remained. So there's enough out there to reconstruct some of what he did, but his effort to wipe away his traces by destroying all those documents in the early 70s was quite successful. Okay, folks, so that is that is the end there of uh, this interview. This was an NPR piece by Terry Gross interviewing journalist Stephen Kinzer on Sidney Gottlieb, the chemist who headed up the MKUltra mind control torture and murder program on behalf of the state via the CIA. And so what we've learned, uh, we went over over the last couple episodes, and I really don't want to spend uh, my time or waste your time recapping everything that we gathered uh, from this interview. But the reason why I used it, I've explained it before, is that Stephen Kinzer, this journalist, is sort of known as the foremost expert on MKUltra because he wrote uh, a book about it. And so he is presenting the official narrative constructed from the supposed records that were available, that were not destroyed by Sidney Gottlieb and CIA Director Richard Helms. And so I mentioned to you also that there is a writer named Ashton Gray who has written extensively about MKUltra, Richard Nixon, and this stuff. And I'm working on trying to get him. I had a private two-hour conversation with him several years back. I don't even know if he is alive anymore, but I'm trying to locate him to see if I can get him on as a guest because he had some really good uh, research he had done. He wrote a book on this as well and believes that they took down Richard Nixon in part 
because Nixon was against the MK Ultra program and was working to dismantle it. Now, as you see, Stephen Kinzer will say that MK Ultra ended in early 1960s. I've also seen the year 1964. There's other researchers that say it did not end until the early 1970s, which would bring you all the way to the point where Nixon gets rid of Richard Helms and then Gottlieb has to go. So who knows uh, if there are certain people playing with the timeline, rewriting history. Uh, We'll start to figure out some of it. It does interest me. Uh, But I don't like to go too deep into these type of things because the main focus is to show you the pieces that fit into the larger picture of technocratic transhumanism of which we are living under now. And then this is all gone worldwide. It ties in through World Economic Forum. It ties into Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, ties into the Fourth Industrial Revolution, ties into the United Nations Agendas 2030 and 2050. So all the pieces really come together, folks. Now, the other day, and I'm going to pull up this article here, I... um, began to show this to you so that you knew the direction we were going to go in here from uh, Operation Paperclip, which we're going to get into more depth on Paperclip. I just sort of gave you a teaser uh, a few episodes ago because you asked me to start getting into it, which led us to MKUltra. And we'll do more on MKUltra in the future as well. Uh, there's a couple of guests I want to get connected to MKUltra uh, outside of just Ashton Gray, uh, who I do trust and who I do think are trying to put the truth out there. So we're going to try to get them as well. But that led us into what the government is currently doing as far as LSD mind control experiments. Now, we already have the big piece, which we talked about before, which is the DARPA Brain Initiative, and we'll break that down in full in a coming uh, episode. And then we have the Cyborg Soldier 2050 paper, of which we reviewed the podcast featuring two of the doctors who helped co-author that paper. And so there is a second podcast featuring two more uh, army doctors who are in charge of overseeing the ethics of the cyborg soldier program. And so we're going to review that podcast, I believe, on the next episode, because that'll work us into Dr. James Giordano, who's also working on this type of technology. And then this way, You'll have a full understanding of how Paperclip led to MKUltra, led to the Brain Initiative, led to Cyborg Soldier, and how all the pieces connect. But right now, while MKUltra is fresh in your mind, and LSD mind control experiments blasting away the mind, hacking the mind, controlling the mind are fresh, folks. They're fresh in your head. Before you lose that memory, I don't want to blast that away. I want to show you what is going on right now. So this is a piece from the New York Times. This is June 24, 2022 by Ernesto Landonio. And this says, after six-decade hiatus, experimental psychedelic therapy returns to the Veterans Administration. Again, I mentioned this briefly in the final segment uh, of an episode, a few episodes ago. Uh, So I'll just uh, recap this for you. Before we move on, it says a series of clinical trials using MDMA, which is basically, uh, you would call it ecstasy, um, and 
Uh, psilocybin mushrooms represent a resurrection of promising research abandoned in the 1960s. And remember, we heard that Sidney Gottlieb, in part, when they were disseminating LSD to be used for mind control experiments on unwitting human trials through the prisons, the institutions, the universities, and such, they were also doing experiments out of a veterans administration uh, as well. A veterans uh, hospital. So it says here, the Departments of Veterans Affairs recently began offering psychedelic substances to patients as a part of clinical trials, a major step in the quest to determine the therapeutic potential of illegal drugs the federal government has long deemed dangerous. At least five trials are underway or being planned by a handful of government clinicians who see potential in using psychedelic experiences combined with psychotherapy to treat post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse, and other conditions endemic among veterans of recent wars. And remember, I told you that Sidney Gottlieb was working with PTSD victims, folks. PTSD victims and using psychedelics on them. So now you're seeing this program being relaunched. This is from June 2022. I read this to you as well, but it's just a couple of sentences, so let me put it back in this uh, episode for you. It says, quote, this is a watershed moment, end quote, said Dr. Rachel Yehuda, the Director of Mental Health at the James J. Peters Veterans Affairs Medical Center in the Bronx, who is leading one of the studies. Quote, this is a time for a lot of hope end quote and i brought up the comment the other day in these facilities do they have a giant plaque of sydney gottlieb hanging on the wall cheering them on for continuing the mk ultra mind control experiments because ask yourself what's the difference between what the nazis were doing then what gottlieb was doing and now what uh, rachel yehuda is doing It says here, the theory at the heart of the research is that compounds such as MDMA, also known as ecstasy, and psilocybin mushrooms, when taken in a safe setting under the guidance of skilled therapists, a safe setting like a whorehouse set up by the CIA or a torture prison set up by the CIA in Europe or East Asia, or in some uh, university or prison experiment, uh, run through some phony foundations set up by the CIA. Are those uh, safe settings uh, under the guidance of skilled therapists? Well, I mean, yes, they were. That's what the CIA was doing, correct? So it goes on to say, can uh, yield powerful insights and disrupt harmful patterns of thought and behavior. So what they're saying is that ecstasy and psilocybin mushrooms when taken under the direction of these government mad scientists, Frankenstein doctors, can yield powerful insights and disrupt harmful patterns of thought and behavior. Or they can also cause harmful patterns of thought and behavior. Folks, speaking of thought, think about that for a moment. Absorb it. Let it just try to try to grasp what we're getting into here. We came out of this monster Sidney Gottlieb and MK Ultra, which grew out of Operation Paperclip, bringing the Nazis here. And now we are doing these experiments again. I don't believe we ever stop, but right now we're telling the public we're doing it. We're rebranding it. We're testing it on veterans. 
and we're saying, don't worry, this time it's good. Of course, in any of these articles, you'll never really see them mention that this grew out of MK Ultra and was developed out of technology that the Nazis and the Japanese torturers passed on to our CIA chief chemist. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.